Yo, yo. Flip. Oh, man, I hope I don't bang on too much, but um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> we, we can I'll try and... We can out, it's fine. Yeah, that's true. Yes, we're going to go there. And we have a cat in studio. We're having a chat with Mac Linden, an Australian film director, producer, writer and actor. Today we're going to talk about things that many in the industry won't. This may prove quite helpful to aspiring filmmakers and those looking for a heads up on what to expect when it comes to getting your films out there to market. What were you doing in your life before you ventured into the creative space in the Aussie industry? I was a nurse by trade down in Victoria. I'd done my um, four years at university. It took four years because it's only a three-year degree, but, you know, I was um, sort of dabbling with a bit of acting work. I had worked on um, the Heath Ledger, Ned Kelly movie, so that sort of pushed my third-year nursing back a bit, so I had to sort of make up for that time in the fourth year. Graduated from there, and the interest was always in the background there for film and TV and, um, you know, acting, directing, writing and all. You know, I was germinating from a very young age. To be truthful, you know, as a lot of people do, they live out the dreams of their parents. And that was my big struggle growing up, that I knew I was creative and there wasn't really the support to go down that route. So the truth be told, I, I did nursing to keep them happy as mm-hmm. well. I wanted to help people as well. You know, I had that inner nature to want to help people. Yeah, so that was a sort of... Yeah, that's right. So that's um, that's a good platform to do it. I got to a point, yeah, in that field that it was unfulfilling the um, a deeper call. What happened when you felt that? Did yeah. you make any, make any decision with that? Because a lot of people do feel that way in their current career where they just don't feel like classic phrase, you know, if you're successful but unfulfilled, you're not successful. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, what did you do about that or what, how yeah. did you transition? Yeah, fully. Um, it's uh, such an awesome question. Um, I procrastinated a long time because of fear. What does it look like? What does the transition look like? How do I cross over? I've got this burning desire to do X, Y, Z or, you know. Are you referring to the creative elements that you are feeling? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but and here I am in a job dispensing medications for big pharma companies and, and there wasn't really much outlet for helping people. So if you don't make the decisions yourself, life, fate, or whatever you want to say, pushes you into those decisions. So the catalyst was the false accusation against me, you know, unrelated to my nursing career. If you're comfortable speaking to the topic, absolutely, because I think we all get propelled in directions due to various reasons and often traumatic ones, which seems to work out for the best. So yeah, no, if you're happy, I'm good with that. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because your show says, yes, we're going to go there. So let's go there. Yeah, Yeah, let's rip it off for the band-aid, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The short version is I had a one-night stand. I was out with some mates. Went back to her place, you know, we had sex and then within a day or two, there was an allegation of rape against me. So um, we had found out later that um, she had just broken up with her boyfriend and his mate was at one of the um, the venues that we were at in Melbourne at the time and saw us sort of um, becoming familiar as a diplomatic way yep, yep. of saying it. And um, I um, was innocent of um, unconsensual sex. It was a very hard, very hard time in my life. Well, I didn't bring it up with my family because I was scared. Mm. Um, it was a, it was a charge against me. It, it went through the first hearing, and the second hearing, um, then it went before a jury. Um, yeah, yeah, it went to trial. I, yeah, it went to trial. So it was an eleven day trial, long time under the gauntlet. I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get on stand myself, but I really wanted to. I really wanted the jury to hear my side of the story. So mm. I felt jibbed because I didn't get that opportunity, you know. So yeah, I was found guilty. Um, the jury were in deliberation for two days. I think it was nearing that time where, if the deliberation goes beyond a certain period, 
um, it has to have a whole other retrial. So the judge was really pushing the jury to like a um, hung to, jury, yeah. Then you'd have to go yeah, through the whole thing again, yeah. Yeah, fully. So the judge was starting to get a bit miffed, and uh, he said, "Look, you know, let's we've got to we've got to wrap this up." So there was obviously one or two people holding out and saying, "Hey, the guy might be innocent." Um, Entertaining but a reasonable doubt is what they call that. <laughs> correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that was obviously blown out of the water because everyone wanted to get back to their lives and go home. There's nothing and, like uh... <laughs> um, the pressure to make a decision. I mean, I know for myself, but I've made some really shit house decisions based on the pressure yeah. to come up with something, and yep. and the panic. The worst Fully. times to make decisions are when you're you're tired, you're hungry, you're horny, or you're what was the other one? You're yep. broke or something. But basically, yeah, all forms absolutely. of human desperation. Yep. Not a good time to make a decision. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, post buying time, I call it. Yeah, you have mm. to buy time. It's um something that I've learned over the years. That acting out of emotion just gets you in hot water, you know. So I started off in maximum security. I was in there nine months because my trial judge had died. Um, oh, short, shortly after he passed the verdict down and um, so I had to wait all this time for another judge to pick up the whole trial, read the transcript and then make a sentence on a trial that he didn't even sit in on. Oh, I mean, that often kills the spirit of most people wanting mm. to do anything to experience mm. that. Did you yep. still have any kind of calling or desire yeah. burning at that point? Yeah, something well, to keep um, your mind busy. Yeah, for sure. I think, as I was saying before, you know, you can only procrastinate so long. And if you've got something that the world needs, because that's what it's all about, if you get a gift, it's to give away. I believe that anyhow. Then, you know, a set of circumstances will push you into a corner where you're given the opportunity then to go, okay, let's take this seriously. So it's a beautiful time. When I say jail's a beautiful time, it's because you've got time. Time yeah. is on your side for the, probably the first time. And, and so in that year and a half, um, I wrote the first draft of my first script, which was basically like a dear diary of what had happened to me, which right. then later became the movie known as Rise. Prior to that, I, I dabbled and done some little acting work here and there, you know, tiny little bit parts on Home and Away, and, and I went through all that and audition after audition. My experience up until that point was there's really such a small percentage of people that will actually go through to having the dream fulfilled. Yeah. Um, that's when I thought, okay, look, I'm, I'm going to forget this slow route, getting to the top, so to speak, or getting it fulfilled and passed. I'll start writing a movie and I'll get out there and I'll make it happen. Oh. I'll, I'll just do it. So it's so create it, rather than wait. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's a good great. way of putting it. Yeah, that's great. Obviously, you're found innocent after all because you wouldn't mm-hmm. be out here <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> running amok <laughs> making films. Um, what were some yep. of the challenges you faced when you? wanted to make this film like I, I wouldn't know yeah. I'd be like I've got an idea but where do you go from that yeah for sure and uh, well firstly the first obstacle I believe in my experience and the people that I've spoken to in the creative industry um, the first obstacle is fear mm. <laughs> um, that's 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 your primary ob- obstacle you, so, you've so got to fear get of, over that of not being enough like not having the skills not knowing the people or do you mean fear as in what will people think of me when I've written this story and they're going to... Yeah, both. Both, okay. Jim. Exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, both those fears have to have to go somehow. Um, you know, you've got to get o- you've got to get over those walls. But they are the two major blockages, you know. Um, what are people going to think about me if it flops? Yeah, it's a sort of... A, it's, a, it's a coin with two sides, fear of success, fear of failure. It's the same thing. Mm. And I think apart from that is the finances, you know, like where do I get the money from because... Um, you know, yeah. it's such a... It's, I mean, it's a huge question, yeah. isn't it? And a lot yeah. of people have shame around talking about money too, which is exactly yeah. why we are going to talk about it. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> if you, yeah, if fully. If you're up for this one because... Oh, I'm ready to rock and roll. This is awesome. 
this is a question that's been in my mind and I know pretty much everyone that I work with who's looking to create anything when it comes to finance in Australia and how do you obtain it in the filmmaking industry because you're an independent filmmaker right you didn't have any government yeah, no, backing not on your... one cent okay yeah yeah mm. no you're right um yeah finances the um I'm gonna even rewind slightly to the psyche around finances and creativity and budget, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. So before we go to the logistical, mechanical outworking of it, I want to go straight for the jugular. And that is this whole, uh, we've been brought up in a whole era of budget and what's the budget and how much is the budget. And, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that because your budget's 10 mil, it's going to be a good movie. We've got plenty of proof that million-dollar movies are crap, you know, across the board from a diverse range of people have decided that. And then you've got movies made next to nothing that are awesome. So we know that it's all based mm. on story. Mm. The difficulty in the industry is when that's the first question people ask, what's the budget? Now, if you say, hey, I've got 200K that I can raise between family and friends in crowdfunding, you're not going to get a look in. Very rarely will you get an A-list actor or someone of notoriety which will help springboard your film onto a global platform signing up to something with the budget of that. So super low budgets will not get support from either the creative artists or studios or distributors? Is Correct. That... Okay. Yeah, absolutely. The first, you know, if you want to get back-end support, which is the way the industry is all back to front, you've got to get your distribution before you can get your actors. So if an actor knows that, hey, yeah, you've got distribution with Sony, sweet, I'm in. But you can't get distribution for Sony if you tell them that you've only got 200K. So there's all these, the chicken and the egg situation. Once we can break down that whole budget bullshit and understand that it's all based on story, and that's what it has been, it will be and will always be based on story. I think then you can start then going into, okay, cool, this story is strong, this story is going to appeal to this sort of audience and mm. in that sort of audience and that sort of demographic. I mean, the algorithms and, and the information and data that we have to this day, like through Facebook and Google and stuff like that, you can pretty much work out the genre of your film and how much you're going to need to make for it, you know? Yeah. If there's a track record for the demand because it's market dynamics, right? Like it's all demand. Yeah. There's no point in making something, certainly if you want to be commercially successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no point in making something unless you've got that pathway to audience, like who's going yeah. to watch it. Exactly. You know, there's so many directors. There's directors I know. They've done an amazing feature film and it's on their coffee table. That's it. Yeah. That, that, that's the extent yeah, of their distribution. It's on the hard drive and that you can impress your mum, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So it does need to be commercial viable and it can be without compromising and rise proof that, you know. And so moving into the logistics and the mechanics of finance, there are various platforms. There are, you know, I won't say that the government route is, um, is not a platform you can take. You can take it, my experience. Yeah. of that platform is that it is a very tedious experience. Yeah. There's a lot of boxes to tick. Your creative control is lessened. You're not the only one that's gone through the process as well, and, mm -hmm. and many others here in Australia have. The government funding, from my experience, is that it's quite limited as to what productions will receive the funding. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's heavily dependent, of course, because it is attached to government. It's quite political. So Absolutely. Um, if, you, if you've got a story that doesn't fit into the current criteria, because that also changes. But also what I did find interesting with the funding route is it doesn't quite make it clear what your method of gaining a commercial edge is going to be in your production. For example, yep. if you're going to make something and your goal is to make it profitable and you've got a plan and you've got your statistics and you've got, you know, you run some split testing on the social media platforms and you find your audience and you find how much you could potentially make, all of that is almost irrelevant to yeah, government absolutely. funding. 
Absolutely. So it doesn't yep. seem the government funding is geared, that's federal and state, is not terribly yep. geared towards um, no. growing a film industry as opposed to let's just make sure we reflect the current trend. Um, yeah, exactly. But we don't care whether you make a profit or not. Yeah, exactly. From my experience, people going down that route and the people that I've spoken to, it is mm. 100% on the agenda of the government that's in at the time. Yeah, um, so, I mean, that's, that's great that's if you happen is. to fit in with that. Yeah, And it is for an sure. option. Like, Absolutely. But what happens to the rest of, say, yeah, for so example, you, you want to make something that's, say, a comedy or something mm-hmm. that has, like, you look at the what's popular on Netflix, what's doing the most, if you want to really make stuff that people want to watch because you're like, oh, I love comedy. Now what do people want to watch? Let's match mm. this two together. Yep. Um, that may not be supported at all by the government. No. So how do you make a film or a, a TV series now, series is the way to go, where you can find some funds or support yep. that's independent yeah. of the government because that's, that's a tough cookie. Like, yeah, it is. It is a tough. So, yeah, so if you've chosen to, um, to be open-minded enough to realise that the government route is um, a very in-crowd and the agenda is very specific, so you're, you don't tick that box, then um, the next platform to take or another route to take, which is getting less popular, is crowdfunding. Because there is a lot of work with crowdfunding, you've got to fulfil the promises that you've offered as you go and raise that money. Um, make sure that the, the gifts that you're giving in exchange for, the funds are actually, you don't all, lose out because it can yeah. be expensive to print off. Oh, you know. big time. And and time, you know, and then yeah. keeping, you know, you might want to raise 15 grand, okay? Let's be honest, it, it, take, it might take, say, 200 people. Now, you've got to keep those 200 people happy. You've got to keep in comms with those 200 people. You've got to thank them. You've got to give them this, um, the gift. As you said, um, the follow-up, you've got to you know, promise all these things and deliver to keep your integrity intact. It's just not paying off unless you're already a name and you've already got runs on the board and you're doing an anti-government movie or something like right. that and then go, all right, I need everyone to chip, chip in five bucks and you've got an amazing um, you know, following and then bang five bucks from, you know, however many you've got following will yeah, we'll do it. So you've got to stack it really well. But but in saying that, you did quite well with Rise even with the Australian yeah. cast that you had on board there. That was fantastic. For somebody who's unknown, yeah. was able to pull one of the top Australian actors. I'll let you chat to that because otherwise I'll start rabbiting yeah. that. Yeah, no, yeah. you know, no, How'd you're right. You do yeah. That? Yeah, so we did we did do that that crowdfunding route, you know, and, and it was a lot of work. And and I'm, I met a lot of people who supported me and and that was an interesting role. And I was approached by an actor for the main role of Jimmy Cove, or one of the main roles, the older inmate in jail. And, and they said, look, um, what about Martin Sachs? And I sort of looked on it. Well, he's won five Logies. He's got 30 years in the game. You know, let's do that. So I approached his agent and, and then he was happy to meet up. So we met up in Byron and had a burger at the Burger Bar. And, and um, you know, we, we spent a long time together in that little cafe and, and it all came out. And, and he, his understanding of the industry, but not just that, he's... You know the story. He want he wanted the story, and I thought, Flip, how's this going to work? He's most of the Australian public knew him as a police officer, and now he's going to play a hardened criminal. But um, you know, if you've seen the movie, he completely um, brings that role to life and proves that his craft of acting is um is phenomenal. You know, so yeah, I did. I I did a pitch trailer first, like so. This is this is my route. I still this is the route that I've taken from my next film too. But I do a pitch trailer, so I raise fifteen grand on crowdfunding platform called Possible.com. P-O-Z-I-B-L-E.com. Then I raised that 15 grand. Then I made a pitch trailer with that 15 grand for then the feature film. And then once people could see the pitch, 
family and friends were more likely to put in 5K here or 10K here to get you across the line. So Gone are the days where we could just pitch an idea, right? People want to see yeah. the visual. Yeah, it used to be a lookbook, you know. That, that would be it. Mm. That was what was common practice. It was a lookbook. It was a concept. I mean, still in Hollywood to this day, um, some people have just come out with a one-line synopsis. And so long as it fits that specific government agenda and, and it's a it's like a McDonald's meal that we've all seen before, then bang, you'll get the money straight away. So mm. it, there, it is still lopsided, but um, I finally got, you know, and you're supposed to get distribution in place at the back end first. Wow. I didn't. So I was really walking down an invisible road um, to an invisible destination, which some people call madness and other people okay. call faith. <laughs> <laughs> But I believe that the story was so strong. I believed in Martin's gift. I believed in the passion and the crew and the, the cast, the other uh, Australian cast that we had, that the story would speak for itself at that point. I was that convinced that a distributor would pick it up and then yeah, the rest is history because I did get a distributor here, pick it up. I mean, I approached most of them, um, you know, all the big ones um, in Village, Transmission, Icon, you know. Um, is it a process mm. of a lot of phone calls? You're just on the phone, you just... Getting out, yeah, there, reaching yeah, out, you're seeing who's yeah, open and all to the it. phone calls are filtered. You know, they're all, you know, you're just a wacko, you're a madman, you're, you're this, you're that, um, and, and 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 all that sort of stuff. You know, you got to muscle your way in. You can't be too persistent because then you get written off. Emails, letters, you know, the pitch trailer had a lot of weight. You could just send someone a link. They usually had two and a half minutes. They were drawn into it and they could look at it, but that still didn't guarantee distribution. No. You know, um, you know, there were still some of the distributors would say that we can't get theatrical release on this because the names aren't big enough in your story or whatever. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's you know? interesting. They really, that does go to, I mean, the risk of making a film and losing money, people are trying to hedge their bets. And, yeah. Be, I mean, understandably, yeah. I mean, it's a gamble. Fully. Fully. Yeah, and, I, and I think what's, what's happening now is the masses are after story. They're after the truth. They're after something that's going to challenge them and inspire them. We've got to a point where I don't think people really understand the ownership of the, the whole um, theatrical model. You've got these major platforms, Netflix, Amazon, across the studios, Paramount. I mean, you just do your research, but they are actually now all acquired by what uh, Disney. So we're mm. now looking at one one major yes or no to any production you know that's it giant. all it, yeah. that that is giant an analogy would be you've got spa supermarkets food works you've got ld coles and woolworths all now owned by you know food.com something like that so that's where you're up against and that's why that whole model you see marvel will um buy out cinemas well in advance they'll buy cinema screenings so you, they, they've, they've locked in all the exhibitors. So you've got all your major exhibitors are already bought out years in advance for a certain production. Um, those actors can't act in other productions. They've signed contracts. So it's a very sealed tight deal. So for any um, – but when you understand that terrain, then, then you've got to find the routes that are possible. Yeah, you've and, got, and, got to become you know, creative in a whole other way. When I got the understanding that the large studios will buy out the cinemas – Mm -hmm. years in advance in order to um, nab their screen time for mm -hmm. upcoming productions and films. Like what is uh, the small fry going to do if they go, if they want a cinematic release, which is that whole, I mean, cool. a lot of people are switching to 
the digital online but series. Yeah, and, and you still do. I mean, I, I still believe, and many, many people still believe that the cinema experience is one of the best to watch a movie, okay? So there are independent cinemas right around, well, I'll talk about Australia. That's my only experience theatrically. But we muscled our way in. We found, you know, again, we needed a lot of money to do this. We have to get the hard drives. You get the hard drives through a company at the, at the time called Motion Link in Sydney. So you would get your story put on the hard drive in a certain form and then, you would ring around. I literally had six people in my office for four weeks ringing every single cinema. So we started, obviously, all the heads of all the majors. Um, you know, I had interesting conversations with the uh, the women who owned Hoyts at the time, BCC, you know, events, reading. I, I, you know, I, we had to do all that, and then we would work our way down. I always start at the top, but then you work your way down to independent owners or perhaps, you know, owners who might own two or three cinemas. And then if they find the time or find slots where they're willing to play your movie, um, you know, and then see how it goes, then they're likely to keep it on. That whole process, see how it goes. You put a movie that can't be advertised in that specific tiny little town, they get two people in it and they go, oh, it's a crap movie, you know, and just write it off. Whereas, and I proved this by massively marketing Indrapilly. Uh, In Brisbane, I thought, okay, so we did a one-page full ad in the Courier-Mail the night after the premiere at Brisbane at the Palace Cinemas at the Barracks. We did a full-page ad. That cost $19,000 in the Courier-Mail. We had a bus. Sorry, $19,000 Australian dollars. $19,000 Australian dollars. To run a one-page in the local paper in Queensland. In the local paper in Brisbane. Yep, that's that's what it costs. Oh, my Gosh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're up against, okay? Now, you're not going to get that back in ticket sales, but I wanted to prove that if you do this targeted a certain area, so I targeted at the El Dorado Cinemas. I had the bus parked out there for three days. We had the premiere not too far away in Paddington. We had the one-page newspaper. I paid $6,000 for an aeroplane to write Rise Movie in the Sky over on on the night of the premiere. We had all these things in place. And for a week or three nights, I've got the proof that for three nights, Rise was ahead of John Wick and ahead of Fury, which Brad Pitt was in, and uh, John Wick is Keanu Reeves. And Rise sales for those three days was greater than Fury and greater than Brad Pitt. Wow, so the right marketing. The right marketing. And this is why these multi-billion dollar companies can do what they do. They and know what they're doing so they can make their money back. I mean, Exactly. That's just smart, and and right? it's not about story. It's not about story. So it just shows you that is where, you know, it, the investors before they invest in a movie or they, before they invest in a Disney, okay, where's your distribution locked? Where's it all guaranteed? So it's all signed locked off before you even get there. You know, mm-hmm. and I wanted that proof. I wanted the stats, you know. Hearing all of this, like... That's a lot of hurdles to, well, first of all, realise are there, but then to overcome. What actually motivates you to get up every day and keep going? Because Yeah. Well, the first word that comes to mind is freedom. (laughs) Mm. Freedom to, because my belief is that we have one life. My belief is that we've all been given talents. And my belief is that we should be able to have those talents fulfilled in their entirety and for the purpose that they're, they're given to us. And that is to help mankind and, and keep pushing the world um, forward in a better place. So, And what I might add, um, Gemma, is most creatives, most of the creatives I know, coincided with those talents, whether they're writing, directing, acting, painting, whatever it is, they're married with, those talents are married with like influence and leadership. And that's no mistake. Mm-hmm. And that's not an accident. <laughs> 
and we see that these talents can be abused. I mean, it's, it's two ways. There's, there's no gray area. In my experience, those talents are used and they come from a place because people need approval or, you know, past pains or they've been rejected or that's where they get their, um, you know, that's where they get fulfilled, you know, in the fame and glory. And, and yeah, you know. know what psychology is motivating you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. Um, or is it a motivation of, of self-sacrifice and to help people, you know, and not to, it's not a popularity contest. And, yeah, you may be laughed at for your stories or for what you believe, you know, for what you or, um, you know, the execution of the talents. You got to do something that brings you joy too. I mean, yeah, fully. Definitely, please don't choose a creative path if you're doing it for the. the Hey, hey, this is nah. This is what I tell people. Like, um, you know, I tell them because a lot of people, it's almost like the Pied Piper. You know, all those little kids. We know the old nursery rhyme story where they just follow. You know, just blindly followed the Pied Piper. And a lot of people go into this industry because they think that X, Y, Z is going to happen for them, and it's fully an illusion. It's an absolute illusion. You know. Get specific why, what part, you know, what genre. Maybe you just got to write books. They're not going to turn into films. Is there something that comes to mind where you think, God, I wish I was told this? Yeah, I wish I was told that there was no set pathway. That's the nutshell. If you want to be a doctor, then there is a pathway. You finish year 12, you go to uni, you do medicine. If you want to specialise, you go do your internship, you become a doctor and you become a surgeon and et cetera, et cetera. So for many many careers, there are pathways. For the film and television industry in Australia, for acting, for filmmaking, for producing, there is no pathway. And that is what I've wanted to expose for years, that the university courses offer very little, apart from technical knowledge of lenses and cameras and lighting and those sorts of things, the university courses are not there. They are not a pathway to having a successful career in this industry. There is no pathway. Mm. There's no rhyme or reason. It's connection, it's breakthrough, it's it's a myriad of things. But I'd wish someone had said that, um, you know, there's no set pathway. I would have saved a little bit of time um, on doing Thinking that. that you know. you're not doing the right thing and that you need to do another course. Yeah, well, stamp of that's approval. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I listened to so many people's advice, but it was just advice based on their experience and I'm not that person. So some people mm. would say, oh, you know, no, don't go down, don't, don't talk to that person, they're X, Y, Z. Well, then I would, would go and talk to that person and my experience with that person was completely different. Um, so I got breakthrough with that person um, and I got a whole film distributed in Australia and New Zealand. I had, you know, we had a limited release. We had 44 cinemas across a Australia and New Zealand. You know, JB Hi-Fi, Sanity, all those platforms wow. came out. was huge. Had if I listened to someone else's experience with this distributor, um, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, so being open to not having your way turn out like everyone else's way. Yeah, yeah, follow your gut. Chicks are good at that. (laughs) (laughs) So so what are you currently working on? This is now the time to uh, showcase what's coming up and where can we go to find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, cool. So the next movie, um, it's it's taking um, a lot longer than my first one. It's called Dynamis, which is a Greek word for dynamite. We can find it on Facebook, D-U-N-A-M-I-S, Dynamis. Um, yep. It's been broken up into three, uh, it's like a trilogy, which is then going to be further broken up into 24 series. So the first one is Dynamis, The Future Is Now. I wrote it in, uh, I started writing it in 2014. So once Rise was out and doing its thing and, and um, you know, I jumped on a plane and sold it at the American film market. So then it started propelling to other countries. I was in a better position, uh, I guess, financially knowing there was royalties coming in and deferred payments were getting paid back and all yeah. that sort of thing. I was, my mind was freer to, to be creative again. 
get away from the business stuff and yeah. start writing this movie, which it was almost like a download. It was very current and relevant to what's going on in the world. There was a prophetic nature to it. Um, and then I had to sort of balance all, all those, the spiritual side, and put it into something that was also entertaining, you know, so it has those various levels through it. Followed the same process, did a $50,000 crowdfund, did a pitch trailer, put all, well, nearly all my money apart from the food to feed the kids um, into, in, in, into the pitch trailer itself, launched the pitch trailer. Once I launched the pitch trailer, um, suffered a lot of opposition. And, and I say that because of the challenging um, topics. It's, it, it's, it can be um, seen as anti-establishment, anti-government. I was bringing up things that I knew were yet to come. This is one of the first films I know of yet to date. I'm still yet for someone to prove me wrong. But at the start, when you watch Rise, it says it's based on a true story. At the start of Junimus, I've got here in text based on events to come. Investors could shy away from that. But I don't want to compromise. I need to stay true to the story. A lot of the events are already unfolding. So the relevance has increased. And now I'm, I'm getting a few more people saying, oh, hang on, let's just revisit that. So even though it's been a long, hard work, um, you know, I have sort of like a dozen investors um, from all various walks of life who have hung in there with me to, with the dream. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as Martin Scorsese says, if, if you can't get this dream off your mind and heart, um, then it's then the story's got to be told, you know. Yeah, got to do and, it. And, and attract um, the right people. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And and proof that I mean, um, you know, over five years, proof that that government route we were talking about earlier um, wasn't the right it, fit. Definitely. I mean, we have you know we've got signed contracts from A-list actors. We have distribution letters mm. of intent representing Australia, New Zealand, United States, Canada. This is what's so wonderful to hear as mm. well. Is that. There is hope. There is actually something yep. outside of the standard. Because in Australia, I mean, there, there are limitations with that. You think, okay, sure. it's government or nothing. Um, yep. No, there, there actually is something. It's just yeah. going to take a little bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think with all the new platforms, I think, I mean, YouTube, and I'm, you know, we're hearing Facebook and YouTube are having access to pull things down. And I think that will that will slow up a little bit. I hope it will. There are There is a new platform, V-U-U-L-R, um, and they are acquiring content for um, for streaming. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, there's That's other great. platforms. I mean, Stan is still um, linked in with the government. There's still, you know, there's still str- platforms that are still linked in with the government, unfortunately. So it, it is a bit difficult. But no, but nothing is forever. And we do tend to, no. especially Australia, having a bit of a pirate background. I mean, yep. we do find ways. We're creative. That's what humans do. We we create yep. out of situations to serve the need of what's it's a market force again. People yeah. want to see alternative content. There's a market for that. So there's yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's what we. I mean, straight away before I even went out on this thing, I thought I am not taking that. The route that I took for Rise was the route that most filmmakers take over the last forty to sixty years. And I thought I'm not doing that again. Mm. Um, I've got to find another way. So yeah, it's about finding the right IT people who can create a platform that can't be pirated. Then you can still market your content on billboards. You can still market your content on bus stops and behind taxis and in sky and whatever you want to do. All your, yeah. all, all your guerrilla marketing methods in the world. But then the only way to do it is it released on this night through this platform. It costs you 60 cents or 99 cents to watch the movie or the, the first series. And that's the way it's going. So it's about finding the right, the IT people and the app, and then away you go. Mm. Yeah, that's where we're, we're heading. So, yeah, they're truly giving power back to the people then to watch your content. And I do definitely encourage people that it's not impossible at all. The amount of information you don't know when you start out in an industry is just 
it can be overwhelming and you think yeah. the more you learn, the dumber you feel. And then, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But no, better than where you were before, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and a wise old man once told me, he said, look, how do you eat? I mean, it's a bit crass, I guess. How do you eat an elephant one mouthful at a time? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I don't, I have never eaten an elephant, but the and analogy then, And then chew like says, crazy, right? Chew, chew, chew. Yeah, that's it, you know, and it's just, yeah, it won't, won't, the next right thing. There's a definite so, call for genuine and truth. Yep. And taking filters off. When you see yeah. somebody being real, you think, oh, God, that's nice to hear. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's refreshing. Yeah, fully. I loved it. I mean, I love what Paulo Colo says. You know, he wrote The Alchemist, man, sold over millions and millions of copies. And his quote is, from now on and for the next few hundred years, the universe is going to help warriors of the light and hinder the prejudice. The Earth's energy needs to be renewed. New ideas need space. Body and soul need new challenges. The future has become the present. And every dream, except those dreams that involve preconceived ideas, will have a chance to be heard. So that's encouraging, you know, especially for us creatives. Next generation leading the next lot of stories. This is for great. Sure. So yeah. much to look forward to. There is. There is a heat to look forward to, um, but just make sure you put your battle armor on. That's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs>